Okay, my name is Allie, and welcome back to the Nose in a Book podcast. Thank you for joining me for the third episode. Today we'll be, we will be discussing a book called The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins. This book was published in 2015, and it is one of my all-time favorite fantasy books that I've ever read. It's one of the most brilliantly written fantasy books um, that I've read. Sorry if uh, I'm just doing a little bit of moving around here to get myself organized uh, with my notes and everything. I have my cat sleeping on my lap here, so it's a little difficult to get everything together, but... Um, I'm going to read you the synopsis on the inside front cover of the book jacket, and uh, then we'll get just started with our discussion. Carolyn's not so different from the other people around her. She likes guacamole and cigarettes and steak. She knows how to use a phone. Clothes are a bit tricky, but everyone says nice things about her outfit with the Christmas sweater over the gold bicycle shorts. After all, she was a normal American herself once. That was a long time ago, of course, before her parents died, before she and the others were taken in by the man they called father. In the years since then, Carolyn hasn't had a chance to get out much. Instead, she and her adopted siblings have been raised according to father's ancient customs. They studied the books in his library and learned some of the secrets of his power. And sometimes, they've wondered if their cruel tutor might secretly be God. Now father is missing, perhaps even dead, and his library stands unguarded. Whoever claims it will also inherit absolute power over life, death, and all of creation. As Carolyn gathers the two tools she needs for the battle to come, fierce competitors for this prize align against her, all of them with powers that far exceed her own. But Carolyn has accounted for this, and Carolyn has a plan. The only trouble is that in the war to make a new god, she's forgotten to protect the things that make her human. Uh, so as you can tell, this book has pretty high stakes. <laughs> um, obviously, Carolyn is uh, the one who tells most of the story. It's mainly from her point of view, but we are able to see into the heads of all of the other characters. Um, so a basic overview of why I enjoyed this book is um, because it discusses science, religion, medicine, war, love, brutality, and friendship. Um, ideas of power and control, uh, humanity and empathy being lost and regained. It, it's, uh, it's a thick one. It's not actually super long. I believe it's only about, yeah, about 370 pages. And um, it doesn't really seem too dense. Obviously, they're, towards the second half of the book, things start getting pretty complicated. Um, but you, they've given you enough introduction that you don't feel super lost, although I would definitely say that this book benefits from, like, multiple rereadings to make sure you get, like, all of the detail that is uh, dropped into it. And that's one of the other th reasons I really enjoy this, is the way that Scott Hawkins writes. This is actually his first novel, which is pretty shocking, considering um, the depth of uh, what he's done here. Uh, he likes to drop little surprises here and there into his sentences um, that I found that even right from the beginning, there's little unexpected uh, twists here and there. 
for instance, right at the beginning here. Uh, it's from Carolyn's point of view. Carolyn, blood-drenched and barefoot, walked alone down the two-lane stretch of blacktop that the Americans called Highway 78. And it talks about uh, the Mexican joint that she visits sometimes, the guacamole, what it's like when she's uh, walking through the street, and it's um, nice and early in the morning, and the the air is nice and crisp, and there's oak leaves on the street, and uh, there's a knife at her back that she had just used to murder someone. Little things like that. So you're slowly getting introduced to Carolyn's world. Uh, she lives in the library. Uh, there, the library has 12 catalogs, and each librarian is assigned to a catalog of study. So Carolyn's library, our catalog of study is languages. There's also a catalog for medicine. Uh, there's one for war. Uh, there's one for math. Um, there's a whole bunch of other ones. They basically start, like cover anything you could possibly imagine. Oh, I believe there's one for animals. Um, yeah, it mentions a whole bunch of them. We get introduced to the way Carolyn lives, how, what it's like um, living with father this character who is kind of the head librarian or their teacher and tells them all what to do. Oh, there's a catalog about death, too. Yeah, pretty interesting. And uh, we slowly start to see that things are not as they seem, that strange things are starting to happen. And the first one is that father disappears. And no one knows why. And uh, the librarians are desperately trying to figure out what happens. They try to talk to as many of the other mm, beings, I guess, as they can, like the King of the Beasts, etc. They try to look for Father. They try to figure out what's going on with his disappearance. And uh, it starts being evident that Carolyn has made a plan. Now, the reason I recommend this book to people all the time is that I really, really enjoyed the characters. Um, if you listen to any of the last episodes, you'll know that I'm big into character work. It's one of my favorite things about the books that I read is loving the characters. I really have to fall in love with the characters, or at least the way the characters are written to... Um, to like the novel. Um, and the last book that I talked about, The Narrow Road to the Deep North, was really more of a character study than it was um, a plot heavy. Uh, but Library at Mount Char is both character studies and super plot heavy. Um, it has a wider range of characters. It focuses very closely on Carolyn, but um, not as closely as the last book focused on Dorigo Evans. Um, my cat is just repositioning himself on my lap here, so I'm sorry if you hear any noises. He hasn't decided what he wants to do because, you know, cats. <laughs> uh, I was talking about the characters, yes. So I will not be giving any spoilers away um, until about halfway through the podcast, and then I'll start talking about the actual events that take place for anyone who has read the novel. 
Um, how far am I in here? 10 minutes? Alright, cool. I'll spend another five or so minutes talking about why I like the book. I do recommend it to people all the time, especially people um, in the fantasy section. Um, I usually recommend this along with um, Neil Gaiman's American Gods um, because they're both, I find them quite similar um, with their discussions of God um, or gods and the reality of things, although Neil American Gods is much more um, magic. This book is very specific that magic is not real and it's kind of more about physics and the reality of things being uh, different than what we know it to be in our reality. Um, yeah, I love, I love recommending it to people. I love discussing it with people, especially all of their takes on the different characters because obviously all of the different librarians are hugely affected by what catalog they're assigned to. Carolyn being assigned to languages um, actually ends up being very calculating, uh, highly intelligent. She's very good at analyzing people. She's very good at putting, she's good at the long con, if you know what I mean by that. She's good at very long running and detailed plans as becomes evidenced um, farther throughout the book. She really enjoys pulling strings and seeing things come together in certain ways. And then there are other characters that are, well, the girl who's assigned to the death catalog is uh, pretty much insane, unfortunately. Um, the girl who's assigned to the medicine catalog is obviously hugely affected by that, but is a very interesting character in herself. Uh, Michael, who is the representative to um, all of the animals, is pretty wild himself and doesn't really like to talk to people. He uh, is fairly feral, but he's also incredibly caring and is a, a very interesting um, brother and compassionate character. Uh, in contrast to Carolyn, who obviously we already know from the book jacket is... Um, struggling with the definition of humanity and struggles a lot with compassion, definitely. I mean, she has, we know that she's murdered someone on the first page, so that's fairly easy to pick up. Um, and David, who's the main foil to Carolyn, his, uh, his catalog is war. And David is unbelievably, terrifyingly brutal with no empathy and no compassion. He's basically a monster. And you hate him <laughs> so much, so much throughout the entire novel that it's, it's pretty fantastic that he has managed to make a character that um, it is literally impossible to like. And we meet some other humans. We meet Steve and Irwin, who are normal Americans. Irwin's a soldier. Steve's just a regular guy. And they get caught up in Carolyn's plans, mixed up in uh, all of her intentions for the library and its inhabitants. Uh, yeah, I love discussing um, how people felt about each character because 
everyone has very strong reactions, like emotional reactions to the characters. It's really interesting to see every time, if every time I mention this book to someone who's read it, I go, oh, what did you think about David? And they're like, oh my God, let me tell you about David, or let me tell you about Maureen. Oh my God, let me tell you about, or sorry, Margaret, not Maureen. Let me tell you about father, because you do meet him later on. And um, it's just unreal. It's unreal. The I've never read anyone like these characters. I feel like this is such a never-before-seen idea, the idea that these people would have this kind of knowledge and intelligence and these kind of resources to study. By the way, they don't age. Um, time doesn't pass normally for them, so they have pretty much the rest of time to study all of these things. So when we meet Carolyn, um, she's in the body of like maybe a 30, 35 year old, but she's been alive for like 50 years maybe, I think. Probably more. I don't know if I'm getting this, this wrong. I haven't reread this. I've reread some of my favorite sections, but I don't remember that specifically. Uh, but yeah, she's definitely had uh, quite a long time to perfect her catalog. She can talk to uh, anyone and anything in the entire world, basically. Yeah, the best thing about this novel, in my personal opinion, is that the plot structure is kind of the opposite of what you would really expect, um, having attended uh, grade 8 English. You know, usually there's the, the setup, there's the, the character overviews, um, things start getting a little crazy, the plot starts to ramp up, and then the action gets higher and higher until finally you have the climax, and then you have the wrap-up, and then it ends. But with this one, things start to get a uh, little high stakes almost right off the bat, um, and then the action just rises and rises and rises from there until the climax about two-thirds of the way through of the book, and then the last entire third of the book is just us learning and learning and learning more about Carolyn and um, a couple other characters and uh, the stakes kind of get higher and higher in the background and uh, there's another minor climax and then things wrap up and um, it does leave it a little bit open-ended for a possible sequel but I feel like um, this book is so good on its own that I don't know if I want a sequel at all. I think it's just so fantastic and it, there's so much in it itself that I feel like I've gone on an amazing journey with these characters and I would like to leave it open-ended um, for what they could possibly get up to in the future. Yeah, fantastic. So it's been about 15 minutes now, and um, if you have enjoyed my podcast so far, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. And uh, if you've read this book, stick with me. I'm going to start discussing major, major spoilers. Um, if you think you'll never read this book and you want to listen to what I think and listen to all of the spoilers, feel free to continue listening. But um, if you don't want to know and you plan to read the book, then uh, go read it, please. I totally recommend it. And then uh, come back once you've read it. So here we go. Spoiler territory. Oh, man. There are so many things to spoil in this book. I mean, I think obviously the biggest spoiler is uh, 
towards the very end where um, Carolyn figures out how to go back into her memory and see that whole day again where she was chosen by father and so that and she understands all of the things he said in the other language and she realizes that and then she has that conversation with father and um, they discuss all of the different timelines that he went through to make sure that things were the way that he wanted where and you see that David was very kind as a child and that he had to go through nine different timelines of David, father's son, uh, being his successor. And, oh my God, it just turns it around so much and you realize that David is who he was made to be by father. And that father does feel guilt for having to do that, but he did it so that Carolyn could become who she has become. And yeah, it was, it was honestly, it was amazing to find out who these characters were in the alternate timelines, um, even with um, Carolyn and Steve. <laughs> um, and there, she being a librarian in that other life where she uh, was with Steve for a while. And yeah, it was, it was so lovely. It's It was so amazing to me that uh, Hawkins managed to make David such a loathsome and horrible character. And then all of a sudden he's redeemed. And you find out that he was so unbelievably manipulated to be that way. And that given the chance, he would be a kind and caring person because that's how he was as a child and in those other realities, he couldn't, he didn't have the courage to kill the monster that he had turned Carolyn into, that he was too kind and compassionate. He wasn't strong enough to conquer a monster. And then father decided to choose Carolyn as his successor instead, and she did it. And she manages to take over as, um, quote-unquote, God. And Father leaves to um, start his own universe, one where he controls the rules. And oh, she does that beautiful thing where she makes Steve the son. She traps him in that connecting, connection to the plane of joy so that he can become the son. That was, oh my God, I almost cried. I thought it was so beautiful. It was such a lovely decision. Because, holy crap, how terrifying was it when she uh, touched David's brain and then you realized that he, she trapped him in the, the endless pain of all pains and was just going to leave him that way for the rest of time. What? Your revenge is never going to be good enough. <laughs> your revenge is never going to be as badass as that. Ever. It was unbelievable. And I found it honestly also really lovely to um, finally understand father's character truthfully from his own mouth all the things that he did the way he manipulated everyone um, and their personalities um, in order to make sure that Carolyn would create a world that father would not feel guilty about uh, I mean obviously he would feel guilty about having to do all those horrible things to those children that was pretty 
brutal, God. But um, he knew that eventually he realized that Carolyn was the right person to leave the world to because she would find her humanity again. She would find her compassion again and she would be able to start the fifth age with pride and do it well. There were so many great twists in this novel, honestly. Like, the twist about two-thirds of the way through, um, like what I was talking about when it's that first climax where all of Carolyn's plans finally come together. David is caught. Uh, he's had half his face shut off. He's connected to pure anguish and can't move on. And uh, you you see all of these little details that have led up to that whole plan, all of the little things that she put in place, like Steve dropping the magazine so that Erwin would pick it up and shoot David. Like, she got the... Got the angle of the shot slightly incorrect, which is why uh, um, why the bullet was in a slightly different place in David's brain. But it still worked out. Like, oh my, oh my God, I'm like unreal, just, just unreal. Um, I did find the last third of the book to be considerably confusing. It took me a while to finish it. Well, when I say a while, I probably I think I stayed up to like three o'clock in the morning making sure I finished it. But I mean, had it not been as detailed in the uh, physics and universe discussions as it was, I probably could have finished it earlier. But good lord, the seventeen versions of reality or seventeen planes of reality or whatever it was, and just the construction of the library itself, I thought was super brilliant with. Um, the staircase up and the jade platform and the universe hanging above it. What a beautiful idea. I honestly, I would love someone to make a poster of that, like the view of that from the library floor. Oh God, I would love to hang that on my wall. I think it'd be fantastic. Oh man, and Steve's character. Steve, what a beautiful, lovely character. Was Steve just a normal guy, but he ends up becoming such a good hero. He was so brave and so caring towards her. Yeah, it's fantastic. I also <laughs> really enjoyed how uh, shit really hit the fan in the background while Steve is trying to um, convince Carolyn to put things uh, back to normal, kind of. Um, where there's a famine and there's riots all the time and people are being hung and it's just, the world is just going insane. The sun is black. The tides are out of balance. Everything's going, everything's going to crap. And it's just, it's just unreal. It's unreal. Obviously, Steve is trying to impress the importance of this on Carolyn and she's like, uh, why are people worried about the food? I'll take care of it. It's fine. And she, Steve's like, um, they don't know that. All they know is that there's a famine and they're all going to die. So, yeah, super great. Uh, but it was clever. It was clever to have that dramatic climax and then the kind of denouement at the end with the really discussing, like there was so much good character discussion between Carolyn and Steve in that, in that last third of the novel and... Just the beautiful wrap-up where she chooses the house at the end of the road in Oregon. And 
she sees Michael has survived and her brother is back with her and the sun rises and the winter is over. What a beautiful ending. And then the fantastic epilogue where she rescues Erwin from prison and is like, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's fuck things up together. It's going to be fun. And it ends with Caroline saying, I have a plan. And uh, what a fantastic way to sum up Carolyn as a character. She always has a plan for everything. She always um, knows what she's going to do. And it was such a treat watching her get so stumped and confused um, by certain things that the rest of us are just like, yeah, it's normal. That's just the way it is. You know, you find it strange that the sun is all of a sudden black and we have no idea what's going on. That's a little scary. But Karen's like, nah, that's, uh, that's no big deal, guys. It's fine. And then, you know, she makes her way back to reality. She realizes that father has been pulling almost as many strings as she had the entire time, that his plan was just as intricate and beautifully woven as hers was. And um, she respects him for it. She has that final conversation with him as he walks into his other universe. That was a lovely wrap-up between those two characters, I thought. And uh, now it's open-ended in this other reality, and Carolyn's going to go be uh, queen of the known universe, and Erwin's going to help her out with all the other human stuff, while Steve, the beautiful son of joy, is uh, hanging over, watching over them. Yeah, I mean... What a fantastic, what a fantastically hilarious uh, sum up of the ending there. People would have no idea what I was talking about if they hadn't read the book. But that's the beauty of it is that even though it was such a fantastic um, cast of characters with um, so many different facets to them, really enjoyed that. Uh, it is very... It was very plot-heavy as well, and um, he did a really good combination of um, conflict and uh, so many, like, character growth points as well as, like, really hardcore uh, surprises and twists that you... I had... I really couldn't predict any of it. And I do really enjoy like sitting down to watch a movie and going, oh, so-and-so is going to die and so-and-so is going to make that decision and, and stuff like that. And this is how it's going to turn out. And a lot of the time I'm right just because I've been doing it for so many times. But this book was a ride. I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, I was just completely surprised by every twist. And I was so pleasantly surprised that it was so unpredictable yeah, I think, honestly, the only tough time I had with it was understanding all of that, that weird physics stuff at the end, which I did eventually understand once I read through it slowly once or twice. And um, once I read, went back and read the book again, it was um, easier to piece it together and picture it in my mind. All of the intersections of the universe and... The physics of the library and all of that stuff was um, definitely 
definitely easier on the second reading. So if you've read it already, I would recommend you give it another flip through or another read because it's totally worth it. Even when I just flipped through from the beginning, I found myself falling in again because it's Carolyn is such an introspective character. You find yourself, she's so foreign because she's had such a foreign experience. Like no one will ever be able to experience what she experiences in this book. And yet you find yourself empathizing with her in certain ways and like hating her in other ways. She's a very, very uh, singular character, I think. And I honestly, I love her a lot. I think she's amazing. And I have a special spot in my heart for David as well and Michael and Steve and Erwin and oh my gosh, they're all just such lovable characters. And yeah, um, there's a, a guy that works in the mall uh, as a security guard and he comes in and asks me for recommendations and I recommended him this book and he started reading and he came back when he was about halfway through and went thank you honestly thank you so much for recommending me this book because it's amazing and I can't wait to talk to you once I finished it and I haven't seen him since then so I honestly can't wait to see him again and be like hey did you finish it what did you think wasn't it fantastic and he'll be like oh yeah it was amazing and then we can have a fantastic discussion about all of the weird twists and turns that this book took so yeah, that was uh, the library at Mount Char. One of the most intelligent and unexpected books I can say that I've ever read. Apologies as my, if my voice is a little bit gravelly. Um, I think I might be getting a little bit sick. I'm probably, probably also a little bit sniffly. But um, yeah, I really really enjoy talking about this book so feel free to tweet me if um, you have any questions or comments about this one the my twitter handle is nose in a book pod uh, i would love to hear from you so thanks for listening <laughs>